You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Insiders, three of us for now, and our new time. And plus, uh, we were a little bit late starting because Glenn sounded like a duck on speed. <laughs> you have no idea what happened to his microphone, but it would have almost been more entertaining just to leave him. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like take. You sounded like take me So Glenn, Glenn Kenley to my side, right there in the middle of this giant honking hairy head. <laughs> Big B Brian Hanley over there, and Tim Everson will join us. Our new time isn't as convenient for him, um, but I'm going to make an announcement later in the show that'll make sense why we wanted to be at a steady top of the hour, one o'clock. From here on out, boys, how were your holidays? Brian, I haven't even talked to you about it. Did, uh, did Santa give you everything you wanted? Uh, he did, you know, underwear, socks, you know, the yeah. usual stuff that I asked for. And, uh, you know, he, he got everybody together. I hadn't seen all my family basically since last Christmas. We all got together. So that was that was enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and your Steelers were in the playoffs. That was a little holiday treat. I, I wasn't going to bring that up. I was not going <laughs> to bring that up. I saw up. the shirt. I saw. However, it. we are in the playoffs, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's happier than Ryan Gilbert uh, because That's right. he's not just a fan. He put his money where his mouth was, and a lot of it, and yeah, <laughs> his bet to get the Steelers in the playoff paid. So uh, he's a happy boy. I'm sure he was sweating yesterday. He was. Uh, let's start here, uh, and we'll get Tim involved in this at some point here. But, Glenn, you were at the bowl game, mm -hmm. the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Um, I, look, we'll talk about the game in a little bit, but how well run was that bowl? <laughs> the mar I, I said after the game, the marketing team need a raise, like a yeah. massive – they got not only – K-State fans and NC State fans, but college football fans across America, and probably for, just from what I saw on social media, it seemed like even some people who didn't care about college football were like, someone told me their grandma was asking about it. She doesn't, she could care less about the game, but she's like, what's, they ate a pop, they ate a giant pop, what, what's going on? And so it was, the, the bowl game, the marketing team was outstanding, um, and it helped K-State because then a bunch of people, including recruits and fans and whoever else, uh, saw K-State on the national stage and saw them win. So that's that's a that's a bonus. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, the edible part pop tart wasn't anything like what we thought. Right. It was better. It was amazing. <laughs> As I was wondering how they were going to do that because yeah, was, like the guy that was running around the field, very obviously I could be wrong, but was not edible. And I was like, I don't think. I mean. Caden Gillum might take a bite off. <laughs> so I'm like, they got to figure this out. And so, but yeah, it was, that was genius. They put him in the toaster and spit out the pop tart on the other end. I think it was warm. The player said that it actually wasn't bad. I, I didn't try it. it. I was a little busy with the camera, but um, I heard good things. It's incredible. <laughs> incredible. Strawberry has been toasted and devoured by the K-State football team. Um, 
Let's I, we'll back up to get to more of that. But I, I put that image out there because Strawberry the Pop Tart holding the sign that says "Dreams Do Come True" yeah. still makes me laugh. The, still makes the me laugh. mascot was running around the stadium and at one point um, walked up to a police officer on the field and had a sign that said "Cop Tarts." Um, and at one point found like someone sweeping, like a janitor, like sweeping somewhere and had a sign that said mop tarts. So they really went all out for this. It wasn't just that old mascot. It was like all get Actually, if I can be totally honest, being there, it was a little bit much. It, at some point I was like, can we chill out a little bit? But I imagine that, that uh, it was actually the perfect amount. It was just a little overwhelming for me because I'm trying to do my job and I got a pop tart running around. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really funny. Um, and uh, I saw the mop tart routine where he was trying to mop the end zone and spilled the bucket, which was empty, and just threw the mop and ran off. It was, I mean, <laughs> whoever graduated from uh, from mascot school with an A plus, just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, definitely. But for the game, Brian, uh, that was a nice win for Kansas State. They they got their work done. They got in there. Um, they protected Avery Johnson quite a bit. It became obvious and. It was just a really nice victory for the Cats. Yeah, it was. It was a good football game. Good to see a lot of different people play. Uh, Avery got out there, like you said, didn't do a lot running the football by design, uh, which I thought was okay. Uh, but I think we got accomplished what we wanted to get accomplished. Number one, and I don't think a lot of people talk about this, it was a nationally televised game, the only football game. If you wanted to watch football, you had to watch Kansas State at the time. That's big. It just is. Uh, and, and we got out there, won a football game. That's another thing that's big. So all things considered, uh, it was just a good night for Kansas State football, all things considered. It, it was. And the, the TV ratings at four and a half million viewers um, for a odd four, what was it, 445 kick? Mm -hmm. um, just a very strange time. It actually beat the Alamo Bowl in ratings between Oklahoma and Arizona. Um, and I think that was just part entertaining game, part great marketing. But um, I think that, that says a lot about where this conference is at. I believe last year, Glenn, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you might know this, Kansas had the the highest non-New Year's Six Bowl rating, and now Kansas State's done it in back-to-back -back years. And I think that says where this conference is at. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting, and I think uh, the Pop-Tart helped, but people who maybe tuned in for the Pop-Tart ended up seeing some good football and seeing Avery Johnson. It was cool for me. I had people from my hometown in Illinois who, you know, could care less about Kansas State tweeting about Avery Johnson. Like, oh, my gosh, this quarterback, this quarterback. And, like, they never heard of the guy until that game, then they watch it, and now they're almost excited to watch him next year. So getting in front of the national audience, definitely a bonus, and uh, winning in front of the national audience even better. Uh, I think, I think there were just, like you mentioned it, Brian, just some exciting things. Avery's obviously the kind of the, the one that stands out, but um, even Jace Brown, another freshman catching the, t the game winning touchdown pass and then kind of sending off that O line with that, you know, whatever it was, 12 play 70 something, five minute drive. Uh, it felt fitting. It wasn't perfect. It, was, it wasn't flawless, but it felt fitting. Yeah, it was uh it got the job done, and it got the job done in unusual circumstances, which is now pretty much uh, what bowls are all about. Mm -hmm. uh, you you, you uh, have to overcome being invited to a bowl nowadays because you got to find the right players, the right mix. You got coaches on the move. You got the transfer portal open. You're trying to sign recruits. Uh, and through it all, Connor Riley served as interim OC. He's now been named the OC. We'll get to that later. But, uh, Brian, give me your overall uh, evaluation of the how the game was called by Connor Riley. Uh, it was conservative, but I think it was conservative <clears throat> by design. Um, just I think there was there's a lot of different things that we didn't take advantage of, um, especially in the quarterback run game. But – we weren't trying to take advantage of, if that makes sense. You know, it, it was almost like he had to call a game with one of his arms tied behind his back, you know, going out there to a fight, which, you know, I, I totally understand, but that's a tough way to audition. Uh, I'll be honest. That's a tough way to audition to try to get a job, but he did it. You know, he, he seemed to, to make it work. Uh, there were times where I thought we could have done some other things, but you know, like I said, under the circumstances, not to mention NC State's a tough team, even though without their All-American linebacker, they still have some athletes out there that can run around and make some good football plays. So uh, I thought he did fine. 
There were some things that we could have done better. Uh, some run game things I think we could have done better. But, again, all in all, we got out healthy. We won the game. We were productive on offense. We moved the ball. I thought it was fine. Yeah, it, uh, what Brian's hitting at here is that K-State, the the game, is like they didn't have anybody else at quarterback they were comfortable with. So Avery, exactly. Avery couldn't take off for 22 carries and, and 118 yards because if he took one hit and landed funny – um, it was going to be direct snaps to DJ Giddens, and which might have worked. But uh, yeah, they they had to play it a little bit differently, knowing that it wasn't an option to have him yeah. getting hit too hard. Part of it, you know, we couldn't throw the ball. I mean, without Stinnett, we weren't really utilizing the middle of the field. Uh, but that's been a, a pet peeve of mine with the Kansas State offense for two years that we don't use the middle of the field enough, and not just with the tight end, with running backs in general. We just didn't do that. So. I thought maybe there was a chance we were going to sneak something like that in, some seam routes, uh, some dig routes, uh, 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 but we didn't do that. So hopefully that's part of the playbook moving forward because, you know, to have a productive passing game with a guy like Avery, you got to be able to attack all parts of the field. Well, I, I just realized my mic's been on the wrong setting the entire time. So, Glenn, it wasn't just you. I, I'm not, I think I'm on the right mic. I can't hear my mic, but I think I'm on the right mic. Um, and update from Tim Everson. Um, I don't know why he was on I-70, but he's no longer on I-70. He won't be with us because he's now in a ditch. As, he's, uh, he's okay, though. He's okay. He, he's okay. Uh, he was just out driving in very snowy conditions here. Uh, we have a minor, I wouldn't call it a blizzard, but we got it's coming down pretty good in MHK. I. Why was he on I seventy? Where Where is he running to? Was he trying to get away from us? And I don't know. I thought I didn't he invite him. To to, I didn't invite him to Topeka for the show. So if he's coming here, I don't I, know why. Oh, he tells me he's out putting out a newspaper, doing his job, and he's on I seventy the whole time. I'm suspicious <laughs> that he's up to something. <laughs> but Tim will join us next week. We'll go with three men this week and continue to talk about the Pop-Tarts Bowl. We'll get to K-State basketball here in a little bit. If you're new here, please subscribe to the channel. Please help us out. The show is free. Subscription helps us uh, expand our algorithm quite a bit. Leave comments. We probably, with three of us, we're going to have some time to get to the comments uh, and uh, hit the thumbs up, of course, because we need affirmation that we are loved. We, we just <laughs> tell us you love us. Uh, also, a big announcement coming a little bit later in the show about some programming at Go Powercat. I think you and many around the conference will enjoy. But uh, let's continue our talk about the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Uh, you know what, though, Big B, they didn't miss a beat in terms of changing a quarterback. It, it just didn't feel like the offense was out of sync one bit. I, I think they were very conservative. I think they, they told Avery, don't put the ball in peril. Just throw it away. Let's let's just be really careful here and, and run and protect yourself as much as possible. Um, you know, if, if you can run, you have to run, just don't take that hit, uh, which he was careful with. But overall, Brian, I thought the offense functioned fairly normally and almost mm – -hmm with fewer glitches with Avery at quarterback, if that's a proper way to put it. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked the same. That That's the thing it, that a lot of people came and were talking to me about, uh, sent me messages. Uh, I even had a friend from my high school hometown who went to the game because uh, they were in Orlando. Uh, it cost me a K-State shirt, but that's all good. Um, but, yeah, he said the same thing. He was like, man. He goes, the offense looks the exact same without Will Howard there. And I'm like, yeah, I figured it would. And I go, a lot of people thought that it was going to look the same. Um, so th that didn't surprise me, Fitz, that that Avery came in and the offense would off without a glitch. The one thing that does help with all of that, and it kind of goes unnoticed, if you're not changing offensive linemen, yeah. when your offensive line is there, a lot mm -hmm. of things can stay the same. Look, I know I'm an old offensive lineman. I get it. But – if the offensive line is all there and you're not changing that, what you want to do on offense, if you've got competent quarterback play, you're still going to be able to do it. And that's where the difference was. You're right on both points. You are a former offensive lineman and you're old. It, both points are <laughs> But no, he's exactly right. Glenn, they, that line came back. The line came back to play one more season together. And in this world of people sitting out the bowl game, those old dogs said, nope. We got one more to play with each other. 
uh, I think that's what's made this such a special group along the line. Yeah, and and a huge part of why they did it, I'm not saying they wouldn't have it in other circumstances, but for the bowl game specifically, is they knew this was an audition for for their guy, Connor Riley. They love that guy. He's part of the reason they came back for another season, and he's a huge part of the reason. They told me that on the field after the game for why they played in this bowl game. They wanted to make sure that Connor Riley looked good in this bowl game because they wanted him to get this job. They thought he deserved it. They They care about him a ton. And so they play with a little extra motivation in this game. It, it, I think it was a, hey, do your job or else our guy is, isn't going to look good if we don't take care of business. So that's really cool, the relationships that, he, that he's built with those guys. And, and the, that O-line was good. Uh, Cooper BB ended his career with a, another pancake block and then a Pop-Tart afterwards. Um, I think they actually they tried to tear the, the packaging off the Pop-Tart trophy and ended up like smashing the, the physical pop tarts into the trophy. Mm. And then they had to like flip it upside down and shake it to get the pop. It was a mess, but it was a beautiful yeah. mess. It was perfectly fitting for that group. Um, but yeah, cool to see that they that they played in this one, especially um a guy like Cooper Beebe, who's obviously gonna be a, a first or second round draft pick, I would say, and um that that he still wanted to take the field. Brian, yeah, they, one... they played oh, well. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, one thing that that I thought was cool with the whole thing is, you know, with everybody coming back, I, I just think it helps them as well. That's a, a one thing that kind of gets lost. I know we want to help the team, and that is by far to me is the most important thing. But look, if you have any aspirations of going to the next level, put some more, you know, game tape right. on film. Put something else on film for people to see. That guilt goes, you know, missing. Everybody talks about the injury aspect or the possibility of getting hurt and losing money. Well, what about the possibility of gaining money? That's all the way that I always look at that type of stuff, you know, glass half empty glass half full, which one do you want? Okay. So guys going out there and putting more tape on film, if you want to play more or just, you know what? I don't want to go out my last football game ever losing yeah. i just don't want to do that that has to mean something too to somebody trust me as somebody who did go out with their last football game losing to purdue which was it's a different conversation for a different day you know it sticks with you you know so good for those guys man good for those guys let's, let's not let's not discuss that season yeah the steelers won let's focus on this. yeah let's, there let's, we go there we go <laughs> Um, defensively also, uh, guys, they stood up, they, they played a pretty good game. Brendan Armstrong, their quarterback ran around quite a bit, had some, you know, nice plays with his legs. That wasn't unexpected, but they didn't want him damaging anyone in, you know, in terms of being able to throw the ball. Um, you know, they really bottled up the, you know, typical running game. Uh, I thought defensively they were, they were sound, particularly some of the guys they had pressed into duty just, well, you know, hadn't played enough to be really frontline guys. Yeah, it felt like on, on the defensive line, you know, you lost Nate Matlack and uh, Uso Samalo was out. So you're without two of – you're playing three front. You're without two, two of your three defensive linemen. And they were still – I mean, they weren't racking up sacks, but they were still uh, competitive on the defensive line. And then I think uh, the, the secondary probably got better throughout the game. It felt fitting to me that I think Jacob Parrish was the one that got the pick. I think they tried to pick on him a little bit earlier in the game, and it didn't work. They they thought they were, okay, let's go after this guy, and they kept trying apparently late, and he was like, well, that was a mistake. Uh, but I think the group, looking ahead to 2024, the group that I'm most excited about is that linebacker core. You're talking about Desmond yeah. Purnell coming back. He's a stud. Austin Moore comes back for a sixth year. And then we we saw these flashes before Jake Clifton got hurt. He was really fun to watch. We saw Austin Romaine really good as a, as a freshman. So you're talking about a, a group of four linebackers, and I know there's more, but that, that kind of gets you excited to watch them fly around the field next year. Yeah. Uh, Asa Newsom uh, mm -hmm. played a little bit before he got hurt. What's interesting about Asa is, we always kind of monitor our player interviews to see who gets the most views in a week and, you know, how, how those are playing. Uh, and it's always a quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. It's all, it's always, whether it's Will or Avery, well, it's just Avery, no matter who else is in the room, it's Avery, yeah. but Will or Avery, but one week, the one week he came to media, it was Asa Newsome. And we're like, that, 
what? <laughs> so apparently people like Asa because uh, uh, he's, he's a great young man. You're right. Those linebackers are going to be really good. Big B, thoughts uh, on the defense, particularly maybe the back end where all the safeties were uh, kind of filling in and, and plugged into different spots. Well, that's the what I thought was was really good, Fitz, is because guys were filling in or they're mismatching some spots out there uh, and guys playing well, playing well. You know, a lot of the quarterback runs that we saw Armstrong get was because of coverage downfield. You know, he was able to get away sometimes because guys were covered up downfield. I just, you know, linebacker, obviously, to me, is going to be the strength. I mean, as far as the defense next year, uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if we may see a guy maybe switch positions if they're able to do that. Maybe go to a defensive lineman if they have to do that. I don't necessarily think they will, but there could be a need where they say, hey, you know what? You're two, two A, two B here. But if you move down and you move to defensive end, maybe get you out there. You know, now the difference is it looks like we might be going to at least one of those defensive end spots, guys being a little bit bigger yep. uh, to cover up against the run, which if you're going to run a three, three, five, you need some big guys up front. So, uh, but I like the back end. I, I definitely like the back end. I like what I saw uh, and it's only going to get better. That's the key. A lot of young guys out there, but getting experience has to help. We saw that throughout the season too especially at that Oklahoma State game where it looked like guys were scared to death just to be out on the field to the end of the season. Guys are out there making plays. That's the kind of growth that you want to see. I thought K-State got that. I'm excited about that back end. Yeah, I don't think the secondary was perfect this year, but I think they have a lot of guys that that can be good, and, and I think will be yeah. better next year. I mean, I think Marquis Siegel came about as far as anybody from – Correct. Uh, I look at, like, the non-conference schedule to where he was in the bowl game or even – late in the regular season he came so far i think vj Payne came a long way jacob parish so that's if you're looking at a group that might be your most improved group on the team is that that secondary group and then the defensive line is interesting because yeah you mentioned maybe they pull a linebacker down but then they also i think they've shown they have three defensive tackles who can make plays uh damian alalio got more playing time than we've seen he's a manhattan high kid and he played a lot in the bowl game, and he did well. And and uh, then they have Javon Banks and Damian Lalio. So those those are three big guys. Plus, they bring in the defensive tackle from JUCO. So they're going to have four large defensive tackles, and maybe one of those guys ends up playing on the outside, or maybe they line them both up. But that's also a spot that intrigues me. I think we will see Jonathan Banks out on the edge. Uh, they will move him out with uh, Uso coming back for his bonus season. Um, so that's good news. Uh, let's – Gets the biggest news of the week in the world of football for Kansas State. Uh, Connor Riley was the interim at the bowl game. We, you know, we can agree that he did a very good job calling a conservative game, but I'm sure that was what he was ordered to do. Um, and uh, there was some question, including for me, whether or not he wanted to be in the press box moving forward uh, and not down on the field with his guys. Well, we, we have now found out that they have indeed hired Matt Wells to fill the quarterback position. Matt Wells now has 17 titles at Kansas State University. <laughs> um, he's a quarterback's coach. He's the co-offensive coordinator because Connor Riley is the offensive coordinator. Uh, and also he uh, is assist associate head coach, not to be confused with Van Malone's title of assistant head coach. And he's also, uh, of course, assistant to the assistant general manager. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, it, it, I hope I hope Matt Wells is getting paid by title. Like every title comes with a different check. Mm, uh, because be. You might be like a, a professor in, in the ag department also. We're not sure. Yeah, I'd like uh, to expand my title, not just to sports director at 27 News, but also maybe sports executive producer. Right. And I'll, I don't know if that would actually even be me, though. Landon produces our Sunday show. But but. I'd like to add a few more to my name. I'll, I'll think of them and get back to you guys. Uh, sports reporter, would, sports anchor, sports director. Go, just go for Grand Poobah. <laughs> uh, that's, one, this is, that's one that time has not held up. Grand Poobah seems like a good title for you uh, at, uh, at 27. Uh, so Connor Riley will be calling plays. He will be in the press box next season. I am surprised by it, uh, and uh, I have confirmed that. But, uh, Brian, give me your thoughts on on what this does for the offense, good, bad, whatever. I think it's it's good to have some cohesiveness, you know, within the rooms. Uh, to have a guy that you know uh, that even if you're not comfortable with, at least you're familiar 
with him. I think that always helps. Uh, but also bringing in, you know, uh, someone with some outside eyes to bring in some outside, you know, ideas to to not to not maybe just to make the offense a little bit different, not so predictable. You know, you need some of that. You can't always just run the same plays over and over and over again. Coaches don't necessarily go to other colleges anymore like they used to go and and go for a day clinic and find plays. They don't do that as much anymore like they did 15, 20 years ago. So that's why there's all always turnover and bringing new guys in. So I think that's going to be good for K-State. I, I know people – are, are worried about how the offense is going to run and what's it going to look like. Is Avery going to be happy? I think bringing in fresh eyes uh, to do that and bringing in some fresh ideas, more importantly, is going to be key to K-State and getting doing some things that they haven't done before that maybe they've seen before somewhere else, but not at K-State. Yep. And implementing that into what we do, I think is going to be a big, big deal. Big, Just a great idea. I think it's a good hire. Glenn, um, I like this hire. I mean, Matt Wells is an experienced coach. Uh, he, you know, led. He had a lot of success at Utah State, uh, mm -hmm. and recruited and coached Jordan Love out there, who seems to be working out okay for the Packers right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let's, not, let's not talk about it. Yeah, he's he's kind of lighting it up. Um, <laughs> but there's some experience there. Um, there. He's a very creative coach. He's run a variety of offenses from you know the the air raid to other things. Um, mm -hmm having him in the room, helping form game plans, helping design plays could be huge for Connor Riley. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that um, first and foremost, I think we know Connor Riley well enough to know that he, he cares about his guys and he wants to win. Uh, right. Those are two things that we know about Connor Riley. And so I don't think by any means he, he has an issue with a co-offensive quarter. I think he's probably fired up to learn, learn from him right. and, and grow and, and kind of learn himself, but also just help the um, help the overall offense and help Avery Johnson be successful but I think it is helpful to have a different mind um I don't this wouldn't have happened I know that but but my thought process is that Connor Riley you know third and two he's like we'll run it have, tell Hadley Panzer to get him out of the way and then we're going to run it behind him and we're going to get the first down that's what we're going to do on third and two and so maybe a different offensive mind to see things differently I know that Connor will still trust his O-line and we'll still have those guys ready and probably a lot of times we'll call on those guys uh, which I don't think is by any there's no issue with that at all um, but having a, a just a different style um, it could be a really a nice dynamic duo which I know is the cliche but I, I actually mean mean that for what it is a dynamic duo really like superheroes yeah that's, yeah. that's awesome huh I'm that's, what, that's what people call me and big b the dynamic that's duo. right <laughs> next week they will be in tights uh, <laughs> with cakes uh brian he brings up a point though you offensive linemen think offensive linemen solve the world uh and i kind of agree with that but does this kind of indicate a tendency on third and short let's hammer it straight ahead my boys will take care of it I mean, it can, but look, I mean, it's this is new age football. This is different type of football that we're playing now. Third and two, 15 years ago was always, we're running it. I don't care what happens. We are running this football. Things are a little different now. Mm -hmm. I'm still under the impression that you can spread teams out and still run the football. You know, you don't, and trick people. It's okay to trick people, you know, and, and a lot of times people, they don't want to do that. We want to bring in three tight ends and we want to just run it down their throat and show our hand. I, I'm just not for that. So I think having Wells there may be part of the, okay, well, you know what? Yeah, we can line up in this. We'll still run the ball like we may want to run the ball, but let's run them in this formation. Let's come out and you know, a, a 23 or 21 personnel or something like that. Let's do some different things, even though we're still trying to accomplish the same thing the same way. Let's just make it look different. And I think that is the key because, you know, you got to have fresh minds. You got to be innovative. And I know that's what K-State fans for so long got so frustrated because offense wasn't innovative enough. Well, here's our opportunity. This is the Insiders, the K-State edition of the Insiders. We hope you're enjoying the show. We do this every week. We're now at 1 p.m. I think we fooled some people with our uh, little switch there. We fooled Tim Everson, who uh, was on his way to the show, uh, I think, uh, but ended up in a ditch on I-70. It, it does sound like Tim Everson was running from the law. 
Um, he he did slide off the road in snowy conditions. Um, I'm sure he is now in the custody of whomever he from he was fleeing. Uh, and after this break on the insiders, and you know we'll the drill, bail him out. where yeah, uh, oh. we're not going to bail him out. Uh, <laughs> that man's got to suffer his yeah, cost, he, but he's he got to learn. Lots of, <laughs> if he's going to do the stuff he's been doing, he's got to learn from that. <laughs> after the break, we've got a huge announcement about something new coming from GoPowerCat.com and this channel here on YouTube. And if you've been watching the insiders in the past, you know this break is six seconds long. If you're watching live, GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Insiders. Tim Fitzgerald, Brian Hanley, Glenn Kinley, three fourths of the usual grouping. Tim Everson uh, is running from the law. That's and we're just going to say that now. Every time he's not on the show, he's late because of deadline. He's fleeing from the law, so that'll just be our code. Well, we've had uh, we've been really impressed with the success of the insiders and how popular it's become among K State people. Um, and uh, I've always wanted to do something a little bit bigger, a little bit something beyond the boundaries. And I don't mean that in a negative way of Kansas State athletics, but I, I have. If you've been following my daily deliveries, I'm a huge fan of the new twelve, the sixteen team alliance that will be the big 12 conference going forward i think is a great cultural fit for everyone involved uh, and because of that uh, and a great sponsor synergy financial services starting next week um, following our monday show uh, every tuesday through friday four days a week my man big b will be hosting the big insiders as in the big 12 insiders where he'll be talking big 12 sports with uh, some familiar faces and our publishers and writers from around the 24-7 Sports Network. And also, of course, uh, former players, media people, anyone we can rope into being on the panel from day to day. That'll be four days a week. Brian, you got a lot of work ahead. You got you, you to gotta stretch out, got to limber up that knee four yeah. days a week, uh, roughly you know, 40 minutes to an hour, just like this show, whatever the day wants. But the insiders will be five days a week at four of them. Will be this right here. There it is. The Big B takes <laughs> on the Big Twelve. I love it. Uh, and uh, the the colors of the Insiders uh, logo just by chance are black and, and gold. Look at that. I, I don't. I don't know what happened there. Uh, yeah, I just figured I was going to match his clothing if I did that. Um, and, <laughs> Plus, I dig black. That's kind of the Big 12 color. Um, but we appreciate everyone from Synergy. We'll give you a lot more information on Synergy here in the future when they start our their advertising next week with us. Uh, but it's a, it's a great business out of Georgia that has some roots in Kansas, and uh, we are glad to have them on. And we'll teach you more about them and the cool stuff they do. Boys, on to basketball. I was just beginning to really worry about yeah, Real, real quick, Chris, we, yeah. got paid, we got a paid question in the Ooh. chat I want to make sure we get to on okay. football. Yeah. And then we'll okay. Basketball. okay, thank you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, where, I'm going to try to find the chats here. Oh, ooh, who's 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 kicking out the book? Canelio. Canelio, you just pay me money to talk about stuff. Good morning, fellas. Great show. Question, is the staff good with going with an all-freshman sophomore at tight end? Uh, maybe oh, add one? No, I think they're my thought in talking to coaches, they love their tight ends. Absolutely. Uh, they, they love their tight ends. Uh, and keep this in mind, uh, next year's recruiting class, the, the 25 class, there are two tight ends in the state of Kansas that are among the nation's best tight ends. Yep. Uh, and uh, that's going to be a huge focus. And I think they're just, uh, they're, they're pointing to the future with the guys they have. They, they feel like, uh, Oak, Oakley in particular can really step up and, and be the Ben Senate, uh, but they've got a good mix there and they bring in some young guys. So I think that's important. Uh, guys, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that 
I think they like Garrett Oakley a lot, and I think we would have seen more Garrett Oakley this year. I think Garrett Oakley was ready to make plays this year, but they had a a, a guy who was going to get drafted and Ben Sinnott in front of him, and so it was an unusual situation where Oakley wasn't on the field much, not because he – normally I think Oakley could have had, you know, 40 yards and, and five catches a game this season, and then next year there would be no question about him moving forward. But since he was on the field, it looks a little different. Hey, what are we getting this guy? I think he's probably the guy uh, going forward, unless they decide to pick up uh, the Linden, Kansas native who's in the transfer portal from Alabama. Yeah, yeah I just I, – I think that, you know – I would have liked to see him. Maybe this is where Wells comes in and helps a lot of two tight end sets, a lot more two tight end sets this season. Uh, it gets tricky when you're running the ball a lot, you know, with the lead blocker, but Senate could do that. So I think that, that that's something that, that's going to help us in the future, uh, especially with how we have in the past struggled a little bit with wide receivers and, and you know, not getting the ball down the middle of the field. So I think that's something that's going to help us getting two tight ends on the field to attack scenes, but also block at the point of attack. I, I think that would help a lot in the running game, just doing some different stuff um, and, and making it look different and being different. I mean, there's a lot you can do with two tight ends. That's why the NFL went to it, you know, about seven, eight years ago. You can do a lot, especially when you get those athletic tight ends out there. There's They just create mismatches that you just can't get on a football field from an offensive side. So the more we can take advantage of it, and I think we will, the better this offense is going to be. Thanks to Canelio for the question. You can find the super chat down there somewhere in the corner and click that. Uh, if you want to pay us to talk like like monkeys, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do anything for a buck. We're puppets. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. All right, now we talk basketball. Basketball. Um, I was very encouraged by uh, Saturday's performance against UCF because I coming out of that Chicago State game, that was not a good team. And they didn't play well. They played well enough to win by single digits. But, Brian, they came out against UCF and put the hammer down from the very start, something we haven't seen this team do. They have not been fast starters. They were on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And they built a 12-0 lead, and they just never looked back. I don't think uh, I don't think UCF ever got it to single digits once they – you know, yeah. spread it out after, you know, I think yeah. it was 12 something. They then, led by double digits for 36 minutes. Yeah, there yeah. we go. See, that's why we have Glenn on. <laughs> if it's just me, these facts aren't happening. I stole uh, that one from our sports board, Atlanta Reinhardt. So, okay. Yeah, God, <laughs> just give him all the credit. Or maybe we should just have him on. Hey, no, I, actually, I came up. I came up with it. Landon didn't. He doesn't know anything. Okay. There you go. There you go, Glenn. Right. I don't know what I was thinking there. What were your thoughts on the game, Big B? You know, it's an old adage that everybody always says, when you make shots, your team looks better. K-State made shots against uh, Chicago State. They didn't. And that was, you know, that's a big difference. I go, they made some shots. Now, they created a lot of open shots that they made, uh, which also helps. I think I just think K-State is better when they're getting up and down. When they are going up and down the court, playing really, really fast, I think that's when they are at their best now. Is that going to create some turnovers? Yes. Is it going to create some open shots for other teams on the other side and layups? Yes. But if the object is to get your team to play the best that they can possibly play, I think it's better when the guys are getting up and down the court. They got up and down the court against UCF. uh, And and again, they made shots. Because again, you can get up and down the court. If you're not making any shots, then that's that's usually a bad thing because the other team's probably getting layups and it's a problem. But guys made shots. They played well. Uh, it was good to see. Um, I'm looking forward to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know what's interesting is it felt like early in the game they were just lighting it up. They shot 42% from the field for the game. So the, they still can shoot it better. But um, I felt like they shot in better rhythm. And, Glenn, maybe that's just because Tyler Perry shook off his funk and, yeah. and finally started hitting shots. We know this guy can shoot. He's got yeah. three years of back college basketball history uh, that tell us he's a great shooter. Um, and he, he kind of broke free in this game. Hopefully that's now the Tyler Perry we'll see. Yeah, it could have been a confidence thing. You know, you you hit one or two, and then you feel yourself, and then the next, the next few you believe they're going in when you shoot them. So I think that was huge. And 
probably just getting off to a hot start and K-State feels like they own the place. I'm sure, you know, get the crowd into it early and stuff like that. So I think they needed a game like this. They they needed yeah. to go out and just beat somebody badly and beat uh, – I know UCF's not uh, going to win the league maybe, but beat a, a competent team badly. You know, it, I think they beat – I don't know who it was, Central Arkansas maybe in the year. That was like one of their only blowout wins. But to beat a, a – a legitimate team, maybe not a great team, but a, a legitimate team really badly, uh, I think is good for the confidence of this group. I think the Big 12, and I, I know you'll get into it way more on your show, Big B, but I think the Big 12 is a gauntlet. There might be a few teams here and there that aren't too strong, but they got the Big 12 has to have eight teams that, that um, are really good, really, really good. No, it's the it's- best conference in basketball without question. And anybody that says that it's not, I don't even know if you should consider talking basketball with them anymore. <laughs> just, just walk away from the conversation because it just, it is the best basketball conference in the country. It, it's yeah. just going to be a brutal, brutal stretch for somebody to get through. I don't care who you are, Houston, Kansas, yeah. whoever it is, it's going to be brutal for you to get through this. Oh, the thing slate is so tough. Texas is good, and Texas, yeah. but then Texas Tech just beat them in Austin this past sure weekend. Did. So Tech is good with Grant McCaslin. Baylor's yep. always good. I mean, oh it, my it's god, brutal. it's, it's yeah. brutal. I think it could be a. I think it could be a really good team. And finish below 500 in the Big 12. <laughs> Correct. And K-State's in that mix. Yeah. K-State yeah. is in that mix of being a good team. You know, so I, I just, I mean, you just look at it and just over and over and over. It's like, where is the easy game? Where can I get me? K-State may have just had it. Yeah. And that yeah, might yeah. be it for the rest of the year. They had their easy game, and now we're going yeah. two months without one. And that's, you know, but I'd rather it be that way, to be honest with you guys. I'd rather it be that way. Number one, we get really good basketball. That's number one. But we get into this tournament. If K-State can can find their way, win enough games to get in this tournament, you are going to be battle-tested. There is no doubt about that. You are going to be ready for the NCAA tournament if you can make it through this slate, man. Guys, I'm looking at it now. How about this for a welcome to the Big 12 for, for UCF? They lose by 25 at Kansas State. Then they, they bring in Kansas this which this Wednesday, number three in the country. Then they play 18th-ranked BYU. Then they go to Texas to play nationally-ranked Longhorns. And then they go to Houston to play number two in the country, Houston. And then they got West Virginia. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, <laughs> it's brutal. After the game, I spoke with some of the traveling party from UCF. I think it was the play-by-play guy and, and someone else. Maybe the color guy. I don't know. But – they were already beleaguered. They were already like, oh, crap, what are we into here? <laughs> um, and, well, to start with, you know, UCF is still uh, – they haven't got their Big 12 money yet. They're still on their American money. Uh, this is their first year in the Big 12. They'll get that year money later. But uh, they flew a turboprop into Manhattan from Orlando. Uh, and I asked if they would take me back because it was cold outside – to Orlando and they said we have used every seat possible if you'd like to fly on the wing we might be able to do it and I'm like I don't want to fly would, on a turbo prop on that I, I yeah. don't want to fly on a turbo prop that distance inside the plane <laughs> let alone outside uh, but uh, I think they felt like oh boy we just got beat by an unranked team by 25 points and now we got four straight ranked yeah. teams <laughs> they lost by 25 and said Surely that wasn't the easiest game of our next three weeks. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> might, might have been. been. Might have been. Um, and, but it also, you know, we, we talk about Houston as a newcomer adding a lot to this conference, but uh, K-State has a home and away with the BYU team that's been pretty good. They did lose on Saturday night. I, I'd like to apologize to everyone. I missed my first opportunity for Big 12 basketball after dark, and I went to bed oh, early. Thanks. I, sometimes yeah. elderly uh, sneaks up on me and says, "Hey, it's it's nine thirty. Yeah. Should we should go You're to not bed?" Not the only one fit. I tried, and halftime hit, and I was like, "Okay, I'm out. I'm out." <laughs> well, uh, it isn't ended up Cincinnati won at BYU, yeah. so Cincinnati might be pretty good too. This conference is going to be an absolute blast. Uh, but if the Big Twelve hated UCF for once, Big Twelve scheduling did K State a favor. Uh, they get UCF and Tuesday night, uh, West Virginia is on slate in Morgantown. Our Zach Carlson and Ryan Gilbert are on their way there, I hope. 
Uh, they got mm-hmm. out of Kansas City as planned, uh, and they will be there covering the game for Go Power Cat. Uh, as uh, an interesting little side note for this game, uh, West Virginia interim coach yeah. uh, Josh Eilert's not just a Kansas State product, a former player and a former staff member. He is also Zach Carlson's cousin. Oh, no kidding. Cousin. Yes. Okay. So that there's some deep ties. They're not deep at all. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, the, I'm sure they'll catch up a little bit, but, you know, he, he's from one of those families with a lot of cousins. I have two. So, you right? know, it's, yeah, so it's different. But, uh, guys, I, I was encouraged by Tyler Perry. If Tyler Perry mm-hmm. plays anywhere close to that, can consistently hit that three-pointer, and, and he hit six of 11, two of them were kind of panicked, shot clock variety so i'm let's say six and nine uh you know but i'm telling you what if he can get around 40 percent three-point shooting on a consistent basis which he's done in the past that'll just change the context of everything for k-state just how many times this year did it feel like they were getting ready to go on a run tyler gets an open three and misses it or cam carter gets an open three and misses it they hit those on on saturday uh and it just really changed the entire complexion of the game like you started with brian uh, coaches look a lot smarter when you make your the shots. Yeah. Even, Absolutely. The same shots. You can do everything the same way in a game. Oh. Defend the same level. Run the offense the same level. If you make the shots, it's just brilliant. It's good coaching. Well, we're going to find out, too, when we get into Big 12 players, can K-State beat good teams when the, when the shots aren't always falling? Right. That's what the, the best teams win when they play poorly or even when they play okay or the shots aren't falling and um, – so does K-State have that buffer room? They've they've won when they've shot the ball poorly so far this year, most of the time, but it's right. been against teams that are not up to the uh, level of the, the Big 12 that we were just discussing. So yeah. can they beat a, a good team um, if the shots aren't falling? And hopefully the shots aren't falling. I mean, that's best-case scenario, but uh, you're going to have off nights, and, and you got to find a way to win a few yeah. because if you lose every time you have an off night, that's – that's not going to be enough. Well, and you're 100% right, Glenn, because the difference is if they play bad, they're not winning. Mm. But you can shoot bad and still not play bad, and there's a huge difference. If they shoot bad and they can still win the game, that's great. Right. Now, if they play bad, I, I mean, they're not going to beat anybody in this league, and nobody is. Mm. Shooting bad, though, that's the mark of a good team. You hit it right on the head. If they shoot bad, but you can still find a way to win, especially on the road. Right. Because that's where a lot of teams shoot bad is they go on the road, unfamiliar surroundings, you know, the the shot eyesight or the line of sight with the shot or with the rim is off. They're not used to it, things of that nature. But when you can find a way to win on the road when you shoot bad, but then you can lock some people up, Yeah, that's where the difference is. And I think that's the one thing that I think K-State's got to get better at is guarding you know the other night they played played well and i'm not saying they played they've they've guarded horrible all season that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that's somewhere where they can tighten up a little bit because again you're going to have off shooting nights you're gonna have several of them it's just the way that basketball works and percentages work so when you can lock some people up though and keep a game in the low 60s when you shoot bad then you can find a way to win at the end because i'll be quite honest I think our coach is better than everybody else's. And when you get into games like that, it's okay. One possession. I think our coach can draw up a play better than theirs. That's just the way I feel about it. So I think we have that advantage. So if the guys can do that, keep level-headed, mentally tough during those tough games where shots are just not falling, do everything else right, and I think we'll be okay because we got a coach on our side. Yeah, and I think you're talking about a group. I think you're talking about a group here too that – uh has a um, they're without two of their best players, and so yeah, uh, we don't know for sure on Corey Glover where his status is. But it, in a way, you mentioned it fits when when they finally got an answer on the Naquan Tomlin situation, even though it wasn't the answer they wanted, but it was a closure in a way. I don't know if that's the right word, but like mm-hmm. okay, I think the way you put it is like they know that he's not coming to bail them out. It's not like let's get by until Naquan comes back. And now it sounds like it's not let's get by until Quest Glover comes back because it's going to be way too late, if at all. Correct. And so they're in a situation where the the guys we have are the guys we, we have and, and either go get it done or, or this thing's going to be ugly. And, and Saturday they went and got it done. Yeah, Quest Glover is lost for the season. Uh, two days before 
finally getting back on the court for K-State. He only played part of the exhibition game before injuring a knee. He re-aggravated that injury, requiring another scope. So uh, he's out for the season. His future is unknown. He would be eligible for medical hardship if you wanted to stick around. But as Tang said, Coach Tang said, this is about his fourth knee injury, the same knee. So maybe, um, you know, basketball just isn't in his future. We'll find out what Quez wants to do. They were excited to get him back. You know, he, you know, he kind of addressed uh, what you mentioned, Brian. They, they felt like he was a fast guard that could push the ball up court, uh, get them into more open court situations. And again, this is a part of the transition of Tyler Perry to a point guard. It's, it seemed to have distracted him from shooting the ball. Uh, and he's almost tried too hard to create in the half court at times instead of just letting some guys go take care of it. Uh, but uh, he he still doesn't remain 100% comfortable in the open court as the point guard trying to break yeah. down. It, Marquise Noel was just a natural. I mean, he'd done it his whole life, uh, you know, figuring out where to put the ball uh, to make help his guys make great plays or him make a great play himself so that's something uh case it's going to have to fight through but uh, i'm encouraged by what i saw uh and i think uh, they have an opportunity to be a, a competitor in a really good conference a tremendous conference a freakish conference and as coach tang said nine and nine yeah it gives them 19 wins going into the big 12 tournament that gets them in the tournament i would agree absolutely but big b nine and nine in the big 12 is is putting on your big boy pants that's gonna right. get you in the upper half <laughs> absolutely yeah k-state goes nine and nine in the big 12 they've done some work they yeah. have done some work uh because uh, it, like we mentioned the conference is just so tough and you're going to have to have beaten some really good basketball teams so to get there like i said i think they're gonna have to i know we keep talking about it but unfortunately it's just the truth you gotta get tougher up front the guys up front, we, we got to be able to try to get some inside scoring. Um, you can't just rely. I mean, Glenn, we talked about it. You can't just rely on jump shots because there's going to be days where you're just not making them. Well, at some point, you just got to say, you know what? And it doesn't have to be a center by by trade. It can be anybody, maybe a small four. Maybe you, maybe you take advantage of a mismatch. But every now and then, you just got to throw the ball into somebody and say, go get us a basket when we need it. You know, yeah. and, and K-State, I think, is still figuring that out. Uh, I think they have it figured out a little bit, but, you know, Tom will tell. Tom will tell. And and to be th- quite honest with you, the Big 12 is unforgiving. So they're going to have to get that figured out because if they don't, it'll be a problem. I, I just, like I mentioned before, I think we got the coach that's going to get it figured out for us. Here's a, a, another question from the chat here, uh, Matt. Um, I think that's our friend, Matt. They have uh, the potential to go 9-9. Deng TCU and Houston are just on another level. Houston was really good the other night. Um, or, excuse me, uh, TCU was really good yeah. the other night at, at Kansas. We'll I see mean, if they, they, come they, on. They, that was horrible. <laughs> that, that, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, Fitz, but that, that was just horrible. I know we've dealt with it for years. That was horrible. Just horrible. Well, well, the good news is Hunter Dickinson uh, survived. Um, he's going to be okay. Yeah, he a vicious karate chop uh, that oh. almost decapitated him. Uh, I I watched it over and over, uh, and I'd like to congratulate him on selling that. Absolutely selling. I mean, that's part of the game. And and Big Twelve officials, you know, you can you can argue whether it was a you know fragrant flagrant or not, but he made sure it got called because um, yeah. it was going to hard be hard to ignore that. So. Uh, but yeah, that's that's life. You go into the Allen Fieldhouse; it's it, the the crowd is intimidating for officials. There's no doubt about it. I think uh, uh, Bramlage Coliseum can become the same um, at some point again because it used to be. Um, but boy, Allen Fieldhouse is something else. And uh, but this conference, uh, look, Houston and Kansas are two of the top teams in the country. I mean, I, I mean, they they could play for the national championship, and nobody think anything twice about it. It's they're that level. Um, they're both going to lose at home this year they're mm-hmm. in the conference, I, and it could be to anyone. I mean, it it could be one of those nights when, you know, all of a sudden Oklahoma State rises up and gets one of them. You just you don't know um, what it's going to be. I'm going to be say this: it won't be UCF or West Virginia. So let me retract <laughs> no. the anyone part of that statement. Uh, but it, there's, it, it's going to be brutal in this conference. Um, but it's, it's fun. K state, West Virginia, big B just, do the cats get it done in Morgantown? Yeah, I think they do. 
Uh, I, I think it'll be a, a game. It, it's I think it'll be challenging because look, West Virginia's got a guy that came in. I cannot remember his name, so I apologize. Rayquan he's averaging Battle. like tw- yeah, he's averaging like twenty seven yeah. points a game in the games that he's played. So again, they, but they don't have much else, and that's where the difference is. I mean, he came in and literally took over the team. Uh, but if K State plays their game. If they guard and rebound, which they've done a decent job of doing that, but they go rebound on the road, that's how you win. Go defend yep. and go rebound on the road. You get, They go do that, K-State will be fine. Whether they're making their shots or not, they're going to be fine. I feel like, Glenn, they're going to be stoked for Coach Eilert's alma mater. I just have – I got a feeling they're going to come out with a lot of fire. Yeah, and I think that K-State probably has even more to prove in this one, right? Like start conference play, I think a lot of people have kind of already written them off. And then they win their conference opener. A lot of people are still saying, well, it's UCF stinks. It's, it, it don't matter. Everybody's going to beat them by 25. And so I think each – and it, it, not just the West Virginia game. I think each game they play, they're going to have – they're going to kind of have a decision to make on what do you want to – what messages do you want to send – and if they can pick up, you know, it doesn't have to be every game, but if they can pick up wins here and there in a really tough league, um, I think they're going to kind of prove people wrong. I think that's motivating for them. It is always funny, and this isn't K-State. This isn't uh, every team does this. The Chiefs do this. That They talk about how much they're ignoring the outside noise and they don't care, but then it's like a long rant about like, you know, <laughs> like a long rant about like, what the outside noise is. And I was like, it sounds like you're yeah. hearing it a little they're bit. All listening to it. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. all listening. But, but, and that's okay, though. I think uh, it, in a way it can be motivating. You know, I mean, Tank talked about Tyler Perry being motivated by a by a tweet of somebody saying that it was – that it. I think somebody said if Tyler Perry is the best shooter in America, then America needs to figure out how to shoot a basketball or something. Like, if that – hey, if it's motivating, great. If you, if you read into it too much and if it's affecting your – you know, your focus or your preparation, that's maybe an issue. But if it's just fueling you and you're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to look at some of this stuff and I'm going to let it, I'm going to go out and prove them wrong. Then good yeah. for you. Maybe, Absolutely. Maybe we should start a podcast called the outside noise. Let's <laughs> talk trash. Hey, hey, talk got, trash got, on people. <laughs> I had some on, on Saturday. I was called a Jayhawk fanboy on Twitter oh, that's for nice. tweeting the final score from Allen Fieldhouse. And then I, in the same day, I was called uh, Mr. K State. Someone said that I was cherry picking quotes, mm. um, and so I I'm biased to both sides, is what it is. It's uh, hmm. yeah, that oh, oh biased <laughs> to both sides. Yeah, wouldn't that make you not biased? But uh, no, you would think. <laughs> I mean, that's the true definition of that. But who knows, Fitz? Who knows? <laughs> We know this. Big B will be starting a new show a week from tomorrow. If you miss the announcement, he is biased towards the Steelers, uh, mm-hmm. as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> but don't miss it. Big B takes on the Big 12 as uh, the Big Insiders runs Tuesday for, through Friday in this 1 p.m. time slot. Whoops, I lost our, our thing. And in this 1 p.m. time slot uh, every week. That's why we switched to 1. It looks like it, once we got to 1.30, we picked up viewers. Fooled ya. We we switched, Uh, but we appreciate everyone watching the insiders. Uh, Now you know why. If you look real closely at the brand at the bottom, it says the K-State Insiders. While we don't want to actually use the name in in the title, uh, the Big Insiders has a 12 in parentheses, too. And hey, if you if you missed it live or you tuned in here at one thirty, correct me if I'm wrong, Fitz, but it should be available for playback on YouTube or, or podcast yep. elsewhere, so you can catch yep. the first thirty minutes if you missed it. Absolutely, yep, absolutely, it is available on our YouTube channel once I do the production of it, um, or excuse me, on our our podcast channels once I do the production of it, and as soon as this is over, it is available on replay. That's why we put the fun little ad in there. But that's it for this week's edition of the Insiders. We hope Team Everson's okay. Um, I, as someone that's that's run from the law many times, uh, yeah. it gets a little bit dangerous. Um, and doing doing so in a blizzard and ending up in the ditch uh, is a shame. Uh, but uh, he's on the run, and we hope to have him back next week from somewhere. That's it for this edition of the Insiders. We appreciate it very much. And here we go with the big fancy clothes. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.